The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us from our Gospel reading from John chapter 1, especially this verse 29. The next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I suppose that if I asked you each to write down a few adjectives that might describe a lamb, I bet many of you might write something like soft, fluffy, or cute. Oh, a couple of you may have had real experience with sheep and would want to add a few more negative adjectives to the list. You know, in general, it seems that we tend to think of lambs in our culture as cute, cuddly creatures. We think of them as those lovable fuzzballs of wool. After all, our toasty, warm winter coat might be the closest connection we have to them. In Jesus' day, how people thought of lambs was quite different than how we think of them. Perhaps for most people in Jesus' day, the first thought that would come to mind if you mentioned a lamb was that of it being slaughtered. And this was true both in general society and with the Jews. You see, while ancient society certainly did not eat as much meat as us Americans do, when they did, it was generally a goat or a lamb. And when they did eat that, it was generally for some celebration. The thought of slaughtering a lamb and having a time of celebration were very tied together in the minds of ancient people. For the religious Jews, the association with lambs, though, went much further. For you see, lambs were not just slaughtered for feasts, but they were also slaughtered for sacrifice. One lamb was slaughtered every morning at the temple for sacrifice, and another every evening for the sins of God's people. And then there was Passover, that great celebration every year. And on that sacred occasion, each family would slaughter a lamb as a remembrance of that day in Egypt when God had set his people free from death and from slavery. Yes, in Jesus' day, lambs were not just some fuzzy animals just, being, just waiting to be made into a plush toy. No, instead, they were animals that were slaughtered, either for feast or for sacrifice. The difference between their days and ours means that we need to slow down a little bit when we hear today John the Baptist see Jesus point to him and say, Behold the Lamb of God. You see, we must not let our ideas about lambs cloud our ability to understand all that that phrase meant to the people whom John first spoke it to. We cannot let our thoughts about Jesus being the Lamb of God only be something like this. Jesus has come to bring us comfort and warmth like a sheep full of wool might do. Instead, we must stop and ponder all of the images that likely would have flown through the mind of any decently trained Jew of the day. 
as I said, perhaps for most of those Jews, the first thought they would have was that of a lamb being sacrificed at the temple time and time again. Yes, one every morning and one every evening for the people of God. And yet those lambs were not the only ones sacrificed. At any time, an individual could offer a sacrifice of a lamb to show God that they were repentant and they sought the removal of the guilt of their sins. So know this. When John calls Jesus the Lamb of God, he is saying that Jesus is that ultimate Lamb who was sacrificed in order that the relationship between man and God might be reconciled. He is that Lamb who removes the guilt of sin, all that guilt brought about by man's rebellion over time. He is the atoning sacrifice. That lamb slaughtered at the temple had always pointed forward to. Those Jews must have also thought of the account of Abraham taking Isaac up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him at God's command. They would remember how it was that God had provided a lamb there upon that mountain as a replacement for Isaac. And so they would know this, Jesus is the true lamb, the lamb who gets caught up in a thicket of religious leaders and their false religion in order that he might be offered up as a replacement not for one man but for all men and women. He is the lamb that the Lord God has provided in our place that we would not die but live. Those Israelites might have also thought about their forefathers before them, living under the brutal reign of their Egyptian masters. They would have remembered how their ancestors, at God's command, took the blood of a slain lamb and pasted it above their doorposts in order that God would save them from death's ruthless reign. And so know this, Jesus is that lamb he is the Passover lamb whose blood was placed over and upon the people of God to save them from death and its cruel reign. He is the lamb that set them free to walk towards a promised land where they would get to live with God and the lamb forevermore. Yes, we can't just let this title that we've heard so many times Lamb of God, just pass by as yet another title for Jesus that we don't think a lot about. But rather, we should let it sink in. We should think about all of the rich truth that that title imparts. In our church in particular, every time we walk in, we see this picture of the Lamb of God, and we should ponder exactly what all of that means. Yes, we must realize that what John is revealing through his words is that Jesus is that Lamb of God who was slaughtered as a sacrifice, but was slaughtered in order that a feast might also be served. Oh yes, this is the truth that was revealed to John the Baptist on that day when he saw Jesus. And it is a truth that is further revealed to us through another John through the Apostle John, as he wrote down the revelation given to him. For in the book of Revelation, the chief image is that of the slain but risen Lamb of God gathering together all of his people for a grand feast. 
yes, the phrase Lamb of God, should bring in our mind together both the ideas of slaughter and sacrifice and celebration and feasting. That's what we should think about when we hear John say, Behold the Lamb of God. So let me ask you a question. Do you like the image of a soft, cuddly Lamb of God better than the image of a slain, sacrificial animal Lamb of God? Would you rather have a Jesus who could just sort of cuddle up to you and keep you warm inside and out? Would you rather have a Jesus who's more of a loyal companion pet rather than a bloodied mess of flesh and bones? I think at times we would all like to have the Jesus that's more of a trusted companion than he is a sacrifice needed for our sins. For I think in that first image we might be able to convince ourselves that all we really need in life is a little help and we would do just fine. We just need someone by our side and everything would be okay. But that second image of a sacrificed lamb reminds us of the real truth that our sins are so grand that someone had to die for them, either Christ or us, and Christ has done it for us. I think it's often why we like Easter more than Lent. We like our crosses empty often rather than with a beaten body upon them. For all of the mess of Jesus' life, and particularly the end of his life, brings to mind all the mess of our life. Yes, we prefer a soft pillow to a splintered piece of wood any day. And in one way, though, looking to the Lamb of God and seeking comfort, of course, is not all bad. No, indeed, Christ has come to bring us comfort, but we must realize that he brings us comfort through the cross. We can't get to the feast without the slaughter. We must endure the discomfort of Good Friday in order that we might rejoice in the delicacies that will be revealed on the last day. Yes, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Just as John the Baptist said, he has come to die for the sins of the world, and yes, that means your sins. So don't try to act as if your level of sinfulness doesn't really rise to the level of needing a sacrifice. Don't act as if all you need is someone to come and make you feel a little better, and then you would be fine. Don't let the sacrificial act that Christ endured for you be taken for granted or offend you for its bloody mess. For you see, it is that very act that made you be able to live with God forever. It is that very act that makes possible the feast that God will serve on the last day. It is that very act which today makes possible a foretaste of that feast that is to come when Christ's body and blood are served to you. Yes, even now he gives you a taste of that feast that is coming. And as you come forward to the rail this day, you will be proclaiming the Lord's death, Paul says. And by proclaiming his death, you are also proclaiming your own condition. Yes, you are admitting 
that Jesus' death, his sacrifice, was truly necessary because of you and your sins. Yes, come forward believing that the slaughter of Jesus was for you, that he has forgiven all of your sins, that he is the atoning sacrifice to you and to all sinners who trust in him. For one day soon, the fast will end and the feast will be served. One day soon, you will be there with the Lamb of God, sitting upon his throne, restored to that rightful place at the right hand of his Father. And then you will sing again, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Well, I'm surely not going to tell you that you need to go into your house and get rid of any cute and cuddly lambs you might have in stuffed animals or little figurines around your house. But I am here to remind you that that's not quite the kind of lamb that Jesus was. He was the kind that was slain. He was the kind that was slain as that last and perfect sacrifice to God. And he is also the kind that was slain in order that he might offer to you a grand feast. Yes, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. The Lamb who comes to be slain and to serve you a feast. Amen.